And hello, movie lovers. So today we actually have a very special guest, and that is the most awesome, best, greatest actor that I've actually known and came across in the recent years. And that is Coleman Domingo. And we're here to just talk about his new short film, New Moon. And I can't wait to actually talk to him about it. I really enjoyed this film. So did Alex. So let's get into it. Hey, how I you always doing? do it too late. It's like, <laughs> I was jamming yeah. with the music. I was like, dun, 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 dun. it really gets you going, right? It gets you in that it's mood good. of, <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. And I just want to say, Colin, welcome to the show. It's a great pleasure to have you here tonight. And it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you, John. Thank you, Alex. Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And I just want to say this, man. Like, I've seen you in movies, I've seen you in the new Candyman movie. I've seen you in Fear the Walking Dead. That was my first intro into um, actually seeing you acting. And I'm just like, I like how smooth you are with your acting, man. Like, you can, I, I mean, man, you can actually smooth talk your way through a scene. And it's like, I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just over there, like drooling and I'm just eating it up. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, Where's man. I'm water, just, 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 like this, just like this. Right here. I got my water right here. But like, dude, you're so smooth with it, especially the way you talked about the, how you got the yacht and everything else. I'm like, okay, tell me more. I want to know more about this character. And I like how, how you're introduced into the fear of the walking dead. Um, I also liked it whenever you were in the Jackie Robinson uh, biopic. I mean it, man, you, I, I have to say this, your acting and credibility is just fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hmm. I enjoy, I enjoy what I do and it's been a blessing to do what I do. So I love to like, thank you for rec for receiving that. Whatever the smoothness is, I, I like to thank my daddy and my uncles and, <laughs> and all the men from, and all, and all the men from West Philly. I think I represent West Philly very well. I think you do too. I think you definitely represent West Philly. And speaking of West Philly, I want to say this, New Moon to me is your love story to West Philly and bringing us as the audience in to West Philly and I and this is what I said in the review itself. Mm. I like how you have that Earth, Wind, and Fire song, Shining Star, and I like how it's playing. It's getting the crowd, not only the crowd in the animated cartoon, animated movie, playing, getting them enthused, but you're also getting the crowd, which is us as the viewer, being enthused over it and getting us set up for what we're about to see and embark on with this journey as a child. And your mother wanting to have the best interest for you as a kid and seeing how you grew up through adulthood. And that's something that I really like was a coming of age short story told through your eyes, through your lenses. Mm. And that was something just beautifully well done and perfectly well crafted. I thank just want you, to bring man. that. You're very welcome. Uh, first of all, thank you. And just to um, touch on what you said, it is very much a love letter to not only West Philly, to my mother to Aretha Franklin, to the music that made us who we are. It's a love letter to black boys and their mamas. And um, because I feel like a lot of times, especially even the creation of this animation, which is based on my solo show. And I started working on this uh, at the top of the pandemic, you know, when people were marching for um, and raging against George Floyd's murder. I want something to talk about, you know, to show 
you know, black boys in a lighthearted, loving way and the, the women who inspire them as well. And I feel like it really is about like, how do you perceive black women? How do you perceive black boys? And then you get a, a short film like this, an animation which can open your mind up and open your heart up and you'll think differently. You'll think differently about that little black boy that you saw running down the street or walking down the street with a hoodie. You'll think a little differently about, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get to know a bit more of his soul, what made him up, what inspires him and his mother and the, and the black women who support him. So I feel like, and not only it's specifically about black boys and their mothers, but it's just about love. It's about, it's a, I thought hopefully you write something so specific and create something so specific that it becomes universal. It's a, hopefully it's about a Jewish boy and his mom, a Jewish girl and his mother, you know, a, you know, a, a trans, a trans girl with her dad, you know, whatever. It's about who right. loves you, who inspires you, who keeps you going forward, you know? And that's one of the beautiful things I can say about that. I know that Alex has some questions though, too. No, no, yeah, definitely. I, I felt the parental love in that movie. It just, it, it made me think of the love I received from my mom and, and my dad. So uh, thank you so much for really bringing that to light. Cause that, that is a universal thing that we all share just uh, the yeah. best intentions of our parents, how much they want us to be happy in life above all, all else. And I thought that was just beautifully portrayed in this short film. And, oh, Alex, thanks, man. Thank you so much. I, I wanted to ask, uh, cause this is inspired by the, a boy in his soul uh, yeah. play. When, how, how did that, uh, solo act come about like what what inspired you to make that well that that happened out of necessity i was uh back in like about 2005 is when i wrote it i was bartending in the in the west village and i was writing about people say write what you know and i literally was writing what i knew i was actually having this um these moments where i was taking care of trying to find ways to take care of my parents who were both suffering from different illness my mother had lupus my dad had a heart condition and they lived in Philly. I was an aspiring artist living in New York and I was bartending <clears throat> and they asked me to go to my childhood home to clean out the basement. And in the basement, I found all these old record albums that they just left there. And each one had a memory for me. And I, I took some of them home with me back up to New York because my parents moved to Virginia and they wanted to sell the house. And I was like, how could they sell the house and leave these albums behind? Because these albums, I felt like, were like, they were things. They were keys to our memories and our history. And so I would write short stories based on an album or a song. I didn't know what I was writing. I, was, I thought I was writing something that I thought, I was just doing some creative writing for myself. And then I decided to sort of just read it, do a reading of it. And then someone told me that it was a solo show. They said, oh, no, you're the event. And all these stories surround it. And I thought, Okay, as a writing says, let me continue with that. Then it became my solo show, A Boy and a Soul, which became a successful show that premiered off-Broadway and in San Francisco, then to London and Australia. And then um, it helped me realize that there was something about this story, which was really about how music was a great um, catalyst, conduit for a family. It's a great place for you to hold your memories, inspire stories, and also... When, when your parents are gone, when the childhood home is gone, you always have the music. The music has stayed within you. So it became a, a story about your records and listening to your records and the records that you keep and hold as you move on. Everybody, John, Alex, you all have songs. You all have songs mm -hmm. that your parents have given you, poured into and into your heart. 
and you and I think that's what keeps you going. So the solo show became about that, and this little section of this uh, called New Moon is sort of like the centerpiece of it, which is my relationship with my mom and her relationship to the music and how we can overcome anything. See, I think that was the beautiful thing about this, about how people can relate to that. And, you know, I grew up on 1950s and 60s music from my mom. And that's what's uh-huh. in, and that's what that's what made me love Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm like, oh, okay, so okay, so your mom actually introduced you into this era of music and everything, probably too. Yeah, and was passed on to you, and just like how it's passed on to me. And I thought that was very relatable on how you actually have that in there. But also too, I lo- like you said, it's I also like how you're talking to the like how the little boy is talking to his mom, and his mom's wanting the best that he she wants for him, just like how our parents wants the best for us. Mm-hmm. And I like how it's universal like that because I remember my mom sitting down and she's like, look, I want the best education for you. I want you to go out there and chase your dreams. But it may take you a while to do what you need to do, but you need to go but go on ahead, do what you need to do. I believe in you and do do what needs to be done. And yeah. whenever I heard those kind of the same exact words that was coming through that animation style, I imagine my mom sitting me down and telling me, look, you're going to get do big things. It's just going to take you a while to get there. And when you get there, just remember where you came from. And okay, well, what, yeah. what we're talking about right now is the fact that a mother's love. And I think mm-hmm. it sounds like, sounds like we're three fellows on this, on this um, platform tonight, understanding that we were loved. And that somebody poured into us so we can be who we are. And I think like in the short film, there's a moment where it's by example. Like I, re- I remember this very clearly, which is why this short story in particular is pretty much 99% factual. I would say the 1% is my mother did not fly up to the moon. No, of course <laughs> no, 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 of course. But that she was going to be my next question. But she did because what I saw was her mind go somewhere else. I saw my mother go beyond what what I knew was inner city West Philly and her probably doing days work, working for families, uh, cleaning houses. And I saw her actually imagining something else. What my mother was showing me in that, that night when, and it's a ritual that I, I still have. When my, my mother would see the new moon for folks that haven't seen the short, my mother would open up her, her purse and, and she said, go get my purse, go get my pocketbook. Go and I would grab it for her. And she held this to the moon. I was like, what's she doing? And she was like, my mother said, oh, you f- I'm filling it with, with blessings. I'm filling it with new money, new experiences, and new dreams. And I remember I was like, well, I don't have a pocketbook. I, 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 how do I give that too? <laughs> and she said, well, you could just hold open your hand. And so I do that now. And it's almost like something that not only I do, and I think the idea of the short is to let people hopefully inspire them to believe in a little magic that I want you to go out, Joe. Uh, John and Alex, I want you to go out during the new moon and hold open your hand and believe in that there's something bigger, something greater, and something available to you. It's just that bit of magic. And that's why I knew that short short story translated to animation. It made sense to you because animation is a place where you believe in things that aren't even there, you know, and how awesome. So hold open your hands and believe in some magic. I think that's actually beautiful. I, and and here's the thing that even when you said um, about the part with the pocketbook and stuff like that, I like how the character is so excited 
when his mom says, go get my pocketbook. And then you, the one, the way that you wind up coming off goes, and I went on head and I got the back and I went and got the pocketbook and I went, and then she heals it up. I like how excited she was because then I was that much excited to see what was going to happen even more. And I was that enthused and drawn into it. Right. Like she was a musician. And I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, I'm, I'm just eating this thing up. And the animation style, here's the thing. What made me want to check this film out was the animation itself with the poster. The animation to me looked fantastic. I'm like, I have to see this. Thank you. And you're very welcome. And I was just wondering, where did the animation style came from? Stuff like that, well, too. When myself and Raul Domingo were, were developing it, we reached out to these animators. I was just researching animators because um, my friend Matthew A. Cherry, who, did, who won an Oscar for Hair Love, we called them up and we're like, hey, Matthew, we want to know about animation and how do you do it and how do you get involved? So the first thing you do is start just start researching animation and see what kind of style you like because there's so many styles of animation. So I didn't know that. So I just started watching and researching it. Then I stumbled upon an animation of James Baldwin. It was a TEDx, about, and, but they did it with animation. It was beautiful old school line drawings and done with rotoscopy. And I thought, oh my God, that feels great because it felt nostalgic. It didn't feel slick and fancy like uh, like a Pixar. It felt like kind of old school, like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids or something. And I was like, oh, that feels good because that feels nostalgic. It feels like it. It feels like a record player. It feels like you know, you know, um, something more analog. So I, I reached out to them, and they were so lovely. One doesn't even speak English, and we agreed that this made sense. They agreed that they thought this was wonderful, and they wanted to work on it. And so um, we funded it ourselves, and then we went on this journey that we we had no idea what we were doing. We filled drop boxes up with research materials and references and images and all that. Went back and forth over color palettes, you name it. And then those two guys took it away. Raul did all the rotoscopy. We we did that in many locations wherever I was. Raul uh, had cameras set up, and the rotoscopy is done after things are storyboarded. So every single storyboard, every frame is me. That's me playing my mother, myself, and my younger self. Wow. Wow. And so, but so every frame was done and lit and shot uh, by Raul, who's the co-director of this. And so we did. That's hours and hours of work, just yeah. for eleven minutes of work. So we did that. Would get that back to the guys to let us know what they needed, and so it took over two, about two years. When we finally came to um, a finished copy, and when we finished it, we didn't know what we were going to do with it. We were like, "Okay, now that's done. Now what?" So we showed it to friends and family. They loved it, and then we got some uh, advice some, from some good friends in the industry to start to put it on the film festival circuit, and we did that, and we won like a bunch of jury awards and audience awards, and. We're now Oscar qualified. Oh, 10. We won 10 awards and we're now Oscar qualified. And we are um, hoping to get shortlisted for the Oscars, which is great. So it's now on the Academy screening room. Um, and we're hope, hoping getting people to click on it and watch that 11 minutes of love and um, and hopefully get it shortlisted and maybe a nomination. Why not? Oh yeah, that that would be incredible because I, I I wanted to watch this multiple times and then mm. even recently I was like, oh, where is it at? Can I? Can I watch? Oh man, right. <laughs> let me see if I could get in on on that Oscar screener, you know. Um, but yeah, you yeah. So you were making this during COVID, and 
obviously that's a extremely challenging yeah. time for everybody. Like I assume it's extremely difficult trying to make this during COVID too. It, it was because what we'll see, I guess maybe because we're such novices, we didn't know what needed to be done. So everything we worked on everything online. We filled like we filled up drop boxes. We had great communication with each other. We looked at bits of animation, you name it, and gave notes on it. And then eventually I went to a post-production house in LA and did uh, um, ADR work on it. So all of it was like, I, like I've never met these two animators in person. We've never been in the same room. So hopefully there'll be a moment to galvanize and, and make that happen. But we've never, we've just been with emails, a Zoom, maybe I would even say maybe only about four Zooms, but more than, but just lots of communication. And what, I think what I, what I love about it the most to be asked now I'm thinking about it, I think that there is a benefit to the fact that one didn't speak English at all. Because I feel like the film, we had to find out how to communicate what this is about through feeling and color and um, images in a way that transcends language. And that's what I think we've done. I think that it's, it's incredible to me, even when I watch it myself, when and people say, oh, these animators, how do they know this or know the, the color palette of West Philly or the feeling of it? How do they know this? And I think it's, it's in the music and it's in the language and it's in the, um, I think in the, uh, how can I say, in the heart. You know, so I think that, that they felt it and felt what this was. And, and, and they, we all went toward that. That was our North Star. That is very beautiful, man. Like, for real, I can actually tell that is something that's heartful. And then, of course, you know, I like the fact that you guys have not even met the animators or anything like that either. But they actually know what they're working with because they felt it. And they felt that energy within, within this project know what they were looking for which is fantastic because it's actually hard to find someone that knows what they're looking for and yeah. then no, wondering if that chemistry will still resonate whenever you're working on something and i think that's very interesting that happened that way and yeah, that's how that's real movie magic i it, think so too i think so too i think that there's and maybe that's something i, I wanted something that transcends uh that and strangely enough, uh, someone helped me realize this. The fact that my animators are French is very meaningful, actually, because my mother's dream when she was a kid was to go to France. Oh. And I took my mother to France right before her 60th birthday. My mother passed away three years later, but I took her to France when I was a young actor. Um, and I got a trip there and I was doing a tour and I wanted to bring my mother because my, my mother always wanted to go to France. So there seems to be something connected. I always believe that there's something bigger at play. You know, there has to be. Like, it's got to be something bigger than us. But it makes sense that those two were sort of charged with the responsibility to fulfill a dream of my mother's. That's that's awesome, man. Like, to be able to fulfill a dream for your mother and also seeing the look on her face, to me, honest with you, that's the biggest reward, right? Being able to see her happiness, seeing that joyfulness that she has from that trip, and yeah. that she'll, re and she'll remember yeah. that all the way up until... Her final time here yeah. and that's that's just awesome because you never know what life has in store and to know that that memory will still resonate within you is a beautiful thing i'll tell you this you just reminded me of something um john you just reminded me when we showed this to friends and family we had a zoom set up and we're like 
we want to share something with you. And it was, I think, Mother's Day. We want to share this, and we hope you can get on the Zoom. We sent invitations. People didn't know what it was. But strangely enough, at least four of my friends were on the Zoom with their sons. Women and their sons. And they were on the Zoom, and they didn't know what they were going to see. And we're like, we created this thing. We want to show you. We gave it to them. And they were so moved by it. And my younger brother was very moved because he watched it. But the thing that I love the most is that I remember my friend um, Alisa and her son Marcus saw. And Marcus is about 14, 15 years old. And she said afterwards, he, he was so emotional. He just kept hugging me. Because at that age, I don't think he ever realized, because in the film, it deals with something, and it's so slight of hand and subtle, but knowing that mom no longer exists on the plane in the, in the shore. But it's very slight. But he kept hugging on her all day and telling her, I love you, and how special she was. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's a great purpose for the film as well, to let people know that your mom's here, but she won't always be here. Yeah. So to make that moment that you're with her precious to see that woman. And it could be your, your dad too, to know that this is all fleeting time. So cherish these moments of a lesson, a moment, um, a moment of laughter. Um, because I'm, he I'm here to tell you on the other side, when your mother and father don't are not on this plane anymore, that you'll miss them. And the only way you'll find them is in the music or in a memory or in a dance or um, you know, something they did, you know? And so it, it's a slight bit of melancholy with this short film, which is the intent to, so that we can all look at how do we value this time we have together right. and not take, it, not take advantage of it, you know? Right. And I wanna, I wanna bring this one, la this one thing up to Coleman is this, I didn't tell Alex this or anything like that, but after watching the film, my dad has Alzheimer's and he also has cancer now. But sure. it's okay. Um, I'm actually coping up, coping with it just fine now compared to where I was about a month ago whenever I found out about him having cancer. Hmm. But this is something that I didn't tell Alex or any of my co-hosts. And it's the fact that after I got done seeing that film, your film, I went over to my dad, I hugged him as tight as I could, and I told him I loved him. Because you you never know what the next day is going to bring. He's he's here now, he could be gone tomorrow. And so I just hugged him as tight as I could. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm crying now too, but, <laughs> you know, I know. I because, know. Here, because here's the thing. Like you said, it's in the memories, it's in the music, and I'll never forget all the memories I had with him. But I gave him the biggest hug I could. It even breaks my heart to see my mom growing old too. And I hugged that. I hugged her too. I, this movie moved me in a way that it ha that no film, two-hour film, has never moved me before. Eleven minutes. You brought out love. You brought out music. You brought out memories. You brought out hope. You brought out everything within eleven minutes of this. And you have something big here. It's bigger. I'm going to say this. This movie needs to be. The best this mm. needs to be the winner for me mm. because of how much of an emotional impact it has on me even throughout three months after alex and i reviewed this it still sticks with me 
it still resonates with me. And if a movie resonates with me and still sticks with me, to me, you have something. Thank you, John. Very I well. Appreciate, I appreciate this so much. And I think you're receiving it with the intent. I, I'm I know I'm a bit of a softie. It's like I know that like I am too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I real, like real I, have a, I, have, I have a tattoo with my mother's name on it, Edith, because I will always want to, and my production company's name, Edith, because I always want to say her name. I think that's what we can do things like that. I know this, my secret is this short film was also in honor of everything that I am because she gave and poured into me. So I wanted to have a, it's a little love letter to her as well. That And I wanted to, not only, it's not just about my mom, it's about your mom, it's about your dad, it's about yours, Alex, your dad. Like so whoever inspired you, your auntie, Somebody, whoever inspired you to be who you are, to live your dreams, to keep going through this world that is quite tough. There's someone who poured love into you. And for us to take a moment and with that gratitude and remember that, and that's the thing that will keep us going every day. That's why it was created in the middle of this pandemic. And, and I feel like I know that maybe there's something I'm sure that I know I needed to create and well needed to create because we were trying to put something into a world where people can hold on to and say, here's a little hope, a little strength, a little love, a little music, a little dancing. Hang on to that. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three guys crying. <laughs> Just hold on. Hold on. Look at us. <laughs> I can't see anything right now. Oh, yeah. I definitely uh, just love everything about this movie. Uh, just to, not to just copy exactly what John said, but it it touched me here. And thank you so much for creating this, bringing this out in the world. Because we we humanity as a whole, we need more of that. More just love, hope. Like uh, I love the representation of a little black boy and his mom in West Philly, but while it's like specific in the movie, it's once again, it's universal to everyone. Everyone should be feeling that love from mm. their mothers, their fathers, uh, their child. Like, and I, I just really uh, appreciate you for creating this. So thank you. I appreciate um, you all. You were talking earlier, um, going into your parents' basement, finding that box of records. Uh, yeah. What were some of the records? I know you love them all, but what oh, were some yeah. records that really that you would probably still put on to this day? Oh, please. Earth, Wind & Fire, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, uh, Phyllis Hyman, uh, Donna Summer, oh. the Staples Singers, uh, Sylvester. My parents, loved, first of all, they loved soul music. Man. They, they loved, they had just, <laughs> when I tell you, there was crates and crates of albums. And I just thought, I knew my parents moved on and got like CD, got got a CD collection. You know, they had CDs all over the place. But I just thought these albums with liner notes and, and history, the grooves and the care and something. And I love, it's funny because, you know, of course, everything moves forward and then goes backwards a little bit. But like everybody's collecting vinyl now. Everyone's yeah. back to vinyl. It's my wife. Because you realize, that, right? Because you, your wife realized, you're like, it was something there about the idea of you the care and the, the it takes a bit more time to deal with it and handle it's something tactical and precious and don't scratch that shit and then <laughs> put it on 
and then you got to come back in and turn it over. And then you have liner notes. There's a whole experience we're talking about that somehow as, as quickly as we move forward with CDs and DVDs, all that stuff, we lacked, it just happened so quickly. You missed the moment, I think. And I think people are like, oh, wait, we missed something. I get to go back. Because now it's a whole situation. I know at my house, it's a whole situation when I put on an album. Because I, I put on some candles and blah, blah, blah. the lights are low and it's an <laughs> event. I'm putting this on. We're going to listen to this all the way through. I'm not, I'm not skipping around. Yeah. It's going to play with the intention to like, oh, it's a whole story going on. And you're going to experience that. So I'm just down with that. And I'm down with that. The, anything, because I think as as digital as we all are, we have had some missteps and I think we need the analog in our life. And that's right. just, the analog is the heart, it's the soul. It, it's slow and it's easy and it's connectivity, you know, that you don't get with digital. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. My, my wife's been into collecting vinyl and I, it, I notice a difference in the in the mm. energy of my home when I when I come home and and she'll have the Bluetooth mm. speaker on. It it seems like like I enjoy the music, but it's just kind of chaotic. I'm up here, but when I yeah. come home and she has the record playing, it yeah, it's oh, no, no matter the music, it's like I feel it in in my body and it's just relaxing. It feels more at home, and uh, I'm not as big in music as other people, but like, I, I can, t- it's, it's cool how I feel that difference. So I, I totally yeah. get, get that with vinyl. Right. It's I, more I of like so, a yeah. soonness about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think so too. I think I, I like the idea like that. It's not, a, it's not actually a, uh, my um, mind is not flowing through the other speakers either. So it's really just on just the speaker that's coming through the hi-fi. Yeah. So it's a bit more analog and not, supersonic sound or anything so i'm down with that i just like the idea you feel like you're almost stepping back in time a little bit you know yeah definitely Mm -hmm. actually have that authenticity that you once had with listening to a vinyl record and matter of fact i grew up on vinyls and my mom uh putting on a vinyl record for me i think that one of my favorite songs was like crocodile rock by elton john and i would just get down listening to that song all the time and yeah you know um matter of fact my wife think think about that even with like vinyl music when it's playing you can't jump up and down really because you'll skip it'll skip no exactly exactly (laughs) you gotta be be gentle around it right and matter of fact my wife just commented she said our daughter just got her first record player in a david uh david bowie vinyl okay (laughs) i love that she got a david bowie vinyl i love it that's awesome. He's a diehard <laughs> David Bowie fan, hands down. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. Bowie is fantastic. But Bowie is just an icon. The way he, he definitely his is. style. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Um, there is something I want to talk talk to you about. And there's a quote that I've I really love that you said, where it's about it's not about the award. Mm-hmm. It's not about the reward. It's about the award. You know what I'm saying? No, it's, a, it's about. It's not about the award. It's about the reward. Thank you. And that's something that I really feel like it's important to me. It's like I was like, well, don't you want to be credited for this or that with my podcast and stuff like that? I'm like, no. I said, for me, the reward is having you on Coleman and, and being able to 
review your film and being able to do what we do and enjoy our passion for movies and enjoy our passion for short films the way that Alex and I do. And to be honest with you, the reward is being able to talk to you about music, being able to talk to you about other things within what you're doing with New Moon and things like that. So our reward is being able to talk to other actors, directors, producers, and that was our that's our biggest thing. We don't care about the down, amount of downloads. We don't care about the views or anything like that. We're passionate about what we do and we care about what we do. And that to me is the reward. Is us just being as humble as we can and keep on going the way we're going. And I just want to say this too. I really love how humble you are you. in your acting career. And it's very hard to be humble. Because I've seen where certain actors might actually, especially directors in a sense, where, oh, you're going to be the next Steven Spielberg. And then they wind up making a couple of flops. I'm not going to say who that is because we already know. But, you know, but it's hard to be humble in the industry that we're in. And especially when people put labels on us. And I just want to say, Coleman, you do a fantastic job of being humble. I love how humble you are and how you're able to dial into these characters that you play. And it, it makes me want to be that much humble too, as well, and keep being humble. Well, thank you, John. I think that, I don't know, I, I like to say that probably comes from my parents as well. But also I think it comes from understanding why I'm an artist, which is about communicating and bringing people together and doing the art. It's not about ego. It's funny, I just had a huge conversation with someone today because I realized uh, as, as we were talking about this, I realized the dissonance with us because this person is acting from the ego and I don't. So it felt very confusing. I was like, oh, you want these things, certain things said or done because, oh, you want to flex on people. I don't think about that. I don't think about flexing. But if you need me to flex, apparently, if do you need me to flex? I'm not trying to flex, but I know who I am. <laughs> I know who I am and I know what I do, but that doesn't lead me in any room. Mm -hmm. That's not how I lead. I lead with purpose and being mindful. How do we make it? How do we make it equitable? How do we take care of each other? How do we create it? That's what I've always cared about more than anything. But when people want you to put on your flex shirt, I'm like, I don't wear my flex shirt because I don't think I need to. I thought my flex shirt is the way I work and the way I take yeah. care of people yeah. and the way I love and the way I, I hear you and make space for you and vice versa. But then you sometimes you're not dealing with the same operating system. And today was a day, to be honest, and I, 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 I'm not going to lie. It kind of, I'm just telling you because it came off of a day today where I had to say some things to correct, course correct what this person I gotta say this person that, that we were working well together and they, they're they more interested in flexing and I had to flex in a way that I don't like to do yeah. because I, it doesn't make me feel good because I'm like, that's not where I live. But you, I had to tell you who I was. You, you know what I mean? So isn't it, it's a strange thing. You're like, I'm not somebody who walks around like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but do you want me to sit up my accolades and this <laughs> and the people I know and all that? I guess I have to tell you who I am. Because apparently, because I, I don't do it. Apparently, I, I don't know. I, you, maybe you need me to do that. But I'm like, that's not where I live. So for me, it made me realize I have to course correct 
how I work with or do we work together? I don't know because that's actually not me. I lead with generosity, care, love, work ethic, and making spaces for others. That's all I know, you know? Exactly. I think it's because I'm from West Philly. I can't be nothing but real. I can't be nothing but like, what you see is what you get. I don't know. And that's the kind of people I come from, you know? That's what I like. <laughs> yeah. That, that reminds me of a line in, in New Moon where your mom is telling you, like, I want you to get as far away from here, but don't, but don't, don't forget where, where you come from. from. Oh. Yeah. And I, think I, and I think I listened to her because I think she, she, she wanted more from me always. She wanted me to uh, always look beyond just the neighborhood. Yeah. But remember my roots. I have such a, an affinity for where I come from and the people. I write about them. I I, I want to support anything about them. I, I love the people I come from. They're the most spirited, colorful, passionate people in the world, you know? Um, and I love that I sort of represent them in many ways, you know? Yeah. And so when people are like, oh, you, you're from Philly, I'm from West Philly in particular. <laughs> and, and born I, and raised. Want, born and raised. I want, I want to represent I want to really represent my neighborhood, you know, so yeah. well, you know, and let them know that we're we're such a we're such a myriad of people there as well. That is not some monolithic experience. And whatever you may think of people from West Philly, you may have to rethink it if you know yeah. me, or you know Will Smith, you know, or you know Guy Bluford, the first black astronaut, or Patty Labelle. It's like these are people, or, or or you know Jazzy Jeff. It's like these are people from West Philly, you know. When. It, yeah, you're talking all the people that influenced you throughout your life. Uh, in your in your earlier days, when did you decide like like you want to be a performer? You want to get into acting? When did that fire start burning inside your soul? The funny thing is, I don't even know it was a fire that was burning. To be very honest, I think, and I, I hate to sound like one of those. <laughs> I feel like I sound like something when I say this, but I think acting chose me. Actually, I didn't choose it. I didn't go out thinking, I never thought that high school, no, everybody else was cool, wore cool clothes, wore that, whatever. I thought they would be actors thing. I didn't think acting, an acting profession was something I could do. My job was to go to college, get a degree in something, maybe business administration, get a good job, get some benefits, I don't know, and, and move along. The idea of becoming an artist, it wasn't until I took a, an acting class as an elective. Because my mother, she's like, take a class just for fun. Do something for fun. Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe an acting class. But the cool kids were actors. I was a nerd. I took an acting class, and, uh, and my teacher said that he thought that I had a gift. And it was the first time somebody said, oh, I think this is your gift. And so I started to pursue it. I took some classes off campus at the Walnut Street Theater School. And I was shining in those classes. And then eventually I moved to San Francisco, and I started... Um, taking a few classes and then I started acting. I started actually doing the work and I wanted to be in the theater. I, 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 cause I, I was studying in the theater and I thought, oh, this is cool. I'd never gone to the theater growing up. So I didn't know that was a place for me. So it wasn't like I could dream this thing of being mm -hmm. an actor because I, I never saw it. I didn't know we could do that. You know, so, <laughs> and then it just started to happen step by step. And I believe, to be honest, every dream that I've ever had, my dream was about being respected and doing good work, wherever it was, whether it was in black box theaters, Shakespeare festivals, you name it. Every step of my career was because I just wanted to do the work and keep expanding. Mm -hmm. I was not somebody who said I wanted to be on Broadway or do TV or film. I was not that person. 
my mother was the person who would say, oh, I just wish you could work with Spielberg one day or Spike Lee, or I want Oprah to know you. She wrote Oprah letters six different times. <laughs> and, and I was like, mom, stop writing Oprah letters. She didn't care about me. Oh, she's a, she'll take, she, you know, she, she can help people with their dreams. And, <laughs> and let me tell you with that, that is amazing to me because my mother's, all of my mother's dreams have come true. The thing sometimes that someone dreams for you it's probably bigger than what you can see yourself. I just want to be a respected artist. And Oprah's a friend. And I've worked with Spielberg and Spike Lee and Lee, Lee Downs, you name it. And I think that that was something that was impressed upon me. That was bigger than my what I saw for myself. So yeah. maybe somewhere inside me, I leaned into that in some way. I like to think, you know. I definitely see that, though, too. I think... To we only see a small spectacle of certain things because we can only see so much. But our parents, to me, like you said before, Coleman, where basically your mother can see outside and outstretch her arms even further than what you thought she could. And just like yeah. how, she, and here's the thing that also resonated in with it within you. She knew how far you could go. It was just the matter of the timing of when it when you could do it. Well, and, yeah, but also it's like when you see. Like maybe that's what I love to do with this animation. When you watch your mother suddenly take flight, you, you watch her take flight, then you believe you can take flight. Yeah. Even if you saw your mother take flight and it was really only in her mind, the story is just saying she, her mind went somewhere else. So wherever she went, you can go far too, you know? Most definitely. And, you know, I want to say this, like, you know how we were talking about don't forget about where you came from, things like that. I I still grow up in my small town. I still work in my small town. As a matter of fact, I moved about an hour away from my small town. But the, the cool thing is I got a shout out from my elementary school for my podcast. And I was not expecting it at all. It brought me to tears to know that. You know, that I'm moving within the school districts where I didn't think it was actually possible to have like a, you know, digital media kind of setting and to see it moving within the kids to where they actually also feel inspired mm. as well. And it's just moving to me of how much I'm moving mountains and yeah, how you far are. I'm going up into that moon in that space that you mentioned. And you're, just you're, you're going somewhere that's very divine that was probably so deep in the recess of your mind that you're constantly flying high. But it yes. was planted. Those seeds were planted, whether you know it or not. And they're planted for all of us. All we have to do is kind of see it. And then and, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound a little spiritual in music in this way, but I do believe that, like, yeah, I feel like it's like to dream beyond what you can see than what's actually here. I think that's why I am where I am in my career. I think my mother planted those seeds to like, you can do anything. You can go outside of this neighborhood. Did I know that I'd be doing the things that I've been doing now? Absolutely not. But I kind of knew I could because my mother said I could. Just that, that power, power of belief parents get to us. Yeah. yeah. A good parent can make you believe. My mother just made me believe that I think that in a loving way that I was the sun and the moon. That I could do anything. That I was the smartest, the most handsome i was special in the world that man that's the power of a good parent so and like like my angelou said words are things and words get all over you 
So be careful of the words that you put on, especially in my young mind. So therefore, my mother, my mother always told me I was special. Always. What, whether and then the world will challenge you to believe something different. Yet, there's something already impressed on you that you have um, there's something you have some superpowers that can fight those demons and slay those dragons and beat those monsters you know but uh is there anything else that you wanted to ask alex or anything uh yeah i um i, I was curious if like what was your um you, you've been in many tv shows and movies and plays I, w- I was wondering what was your favorite experience while working on on any of those mediums what would you say is one that's most memorable to you i would say right now i don't know i have such a good time with everything that i do to be like like i i don't know i just i can point to one right now there's a movie called zola zola that i did that was out a couple years ago and in particular i love that movie so much is because i was able to be really free with the way i created this character it's a little theatrical, it's a little dark and weird. And, but yet still, I had the challenge of, of making this villain who I portrayed a pimp. Um, he's very much the villain of this story. But I wanted to make him human and I didn't want to judge him and I wanted him to want what everyone wants. But for me, I want him to want the American dream so you can find his humanity. How can I take a character that objectively, I'm like, he does some terrible things. But the challenge was I have to learn to love this person. And for me, that helps me even in my own personal heart by saying I have the capacity to love people who do terrible things and everyone has a chance for redemption in some way because I can find that the ugliness can also live in me. You know what I mean? So I love roles like that. So Zola, I had the most fun and and I get to be funny and weird and dark and I surprise people because, you know, I, I always end up in like history dramas and stuff like that. I'm like, but well, people who know me, like, you're pretty funny and you're kind of weird. And I'm like, so yeah, so it's nice to show that sometimes. Oh, that's awesome. I, I Yeah, I got to add uh, Zola to to my uh, watch list. Um, yeah, we, we, had a, yeah. we had a uh, comment. Oh, Rainey, Loved him in Ma Rainey. That, that, that was one movie I was going to bring up. I, I loved your character. That that was Thank a work with other amazing people, Davis, uh, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I love I love my Rainey's Black Bottom. That was uh, Chad's last film, and was my buddy. We had a great time making it. Um, he was, I think, he gave everything to that movie, um, and I'm so I feel very proud. That that's such a legacy film, and to be a part of that of some, you don't know when your last anything is, but you right. be a part of someone's last. I feel like I'm blessed yeah. to, to have anything to do with a part that was keeping him strong, and spirited, and focused um, about the work and what yeah. he could give to the work and humanity. I feel very blessed. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great movie. Great movie. I loved it. That's one I have to add to my list as well. I mean, I need to go on ahead and check that one out. Of course, I saw Lincoln as well and how dialed in you were with that one. Jackie Robinson is always going to be my favorite one, though, too. 
because of the mm-hmm. fact that I love baseball. I'm a huge Red Sox fan, though. But, <laughs> you know, I love the Jackie Robinson story because of the fact it's about first. Chadwick as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's my introduction into Chadwick. And yeah. I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this man is going to blow up one day. Yeah. He's going to go all the way. He's going places. He went, then, as, far, he went as far as he could. Yeah. And and the beautiful thing is, if anybody saw the new Wakanda Forever, his legacy is so sealed with that because it's. I love the way they handle it. They handle it with such class, yeah. and it's beautiful, and um, it's just beautiful, man. So I feel like any actor worth his salt, any artist would want to feel like you've had that impact and that impact on culture and the zeitgeist. But uh, Coleman, I just want to say thank you so much to be able to do this interview. We've been looking forward to this all week, and I'm just—it's a privilege to have you on here. And if there's ever any chance that you might want to come back on again, let us know. We'll be glad to actually open up a spot for you. I know that you're busy with your schedule, but we would definitely love to have you back here again. Absolutely. All I need to know is that it's you and Alex on here. And it's three brothers who are not afraid to cry with each other. I'll be yeah. back. You know what? That should be the name of my new podcast. Three <laughs> brothers that are not afraid to cry together. Much love. Much love to you as well. Good luck with the rest of your career as well. And I just want to say I'm looking forward to your next movie. And I know that you actually are doing a remake of The Color Purple coming out next year. That's yeah, right. we, we, we wrapped that. We have, I have the color purple coming out next year with me. I'm playing Mr. and Fantasia Barino and Twice B. Henson and Daniel Brooks and Corey Hawkins. And then I have um, Rustin, where I play a civil rights leader by Rustin. That's for Netflix. And the Obamas uh, produced that. And that'll be out next year as well. So, um, yeah, I'll see you in the movie. Okay. Oh, yes, most definitely. Most definitely. So that's going to be it as far as our interview. Thank you again, Coleman. It's been a pleasure to have you on here. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your night. And always until next time. Bye-bye.